Well, the Panthers and Storm earn their way to a week off while the Sharks and Knights are shown the door. And now we look ahead to two mouth-watering semi-final clashes in the NRL Telstra Premiership. A grand final rematch followed up with a Bank West blockbuster. You couldn't script it any better. Plus, Brad Fittler adds two more to his blues, but why did he leave David Clemmer sidelined? And Charlotte Kaslick makes a memorable NRLW debut, so how do we keep the seventh star in our game? Finals footy, how fantastic is is it? Wow, we're off to a rocking start. <laughs> Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. Jamie Soward, Michael Chalmers. Finals will be week two. It's going to be absolutely sensational. We've got two semi-finals there. But I want to point out, generally this time of year, we're covering the grand final. And we've already spoken about who were the premiers in recent years. Now, we've still got two more weeks of finals on our hands, plus the grand final. It's a little bit sad that we've only got five games to go, really, because it's been such a tumultuous year for everyone and uh, the rugby league's been keeping us busy. But I absolutely loved week one of the finals. Plenty of points scored. Love all the fans getting the exciting uh, at the game. And, and some of the skill we saw on the weekend really shows that why this time of year is so special to so many people. Absolutely. What did you like out of the round, Michael? I went out to Penrith Stadium on Friday night and I noticed something with the Penrith Panthers. The last few weeks when they've won the games at home, there's been, they've been celebrating for quite a long time after games, but as soon as that game finished, Penrith were, they weren't happy with just winning against the Roosters. They were disappointed with their performance and they left the field pretty quickly compared to previous weeks. And I spoke to a few people at the club. It's because they felt as though they didn't play good enough to, they didn't earn the right to celebrate that properly, which is a good sign that they're not just happy to win the minor premiership and be there. They're after the big one. So I think good signs out of the foot of the mountains. Wow, that's in, very insightful. Considering what 16 on the trot, like it's it's bizarre that they wouldn't be excited after that win. Anyway, all right, let's chat finals footy. And of course, this season we have scored, uh, we have seen the most points scored since 1999. So 235 points have been scored. Um, let's take a look at the graphic and how they've lined up in recent years. So since 2012, um, that's when the McIntyre system was introduced for this top eight structure. So for finals week one, gents, what do you make of the average points scored here? Obviously in 2020, 58.75 points for across four games. Yeah, I think we can put that down to the rule changes. There's a six again, a lot more fatigue in the game at the moment. And don't take away the fact that it's later in the year too. Is you know The heat, it's been a long year. Teams haven't had to buy. So I think there's a lot of fatigue in some of those players out there. And it's hard for coaches to keep getting your team up week after week. but. I thought we saw on the weekend some real exciting play, but some also some loose games as well. Technically, coaches would be hating the amount of points that they concede. Yeah, it's an interesting one, uh, Sal. It's, it's an interesting stat because that's, what, 20 points almost discrepancy from last year to this year. And the way traditionally we talk about rugby league and winning premierships is you win premierships with defence. So is that out the window this year? Is, is attack the, the more focus given the rule changes? Yeah, well, you have a look at South Sydney. I mean, they're attacking probably better than anyone and they conceded 14 points. Usually to win a competition, you need to average around that 13-point mark, the late 12s. Uh, the best sides do it. But this year, I think it's going to be a bit of an outlier. With six again... So usually there'd be a turnover of play, there'd be an error, a lot more stoppages. There's less stoppages now, so there's more fatigue in the game. So you're seeing the little men have more opportunity, like Damien Cook come into the game, Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker. That's why they've been scoring plenty of points. Um, I was a bit surprised at some of the results in terms of Melbourne and Parramatta, but they got off to a fast start as well. So more fatigue in the game, more heat, more points. Do you see that continuing through the final series this year? Well, is it, is it, is it a bad thing, though? Like, is it... I didn't mind... If we see a grand games. final that's 38-36... 
I don't think anyone's going to be... We're in the entertainment business. People want to see not. tries. So yeah. I don't think people are going to complain too much. But technically, it would be a nightmare for, for coaches. Yeah, it will be. And the other interesting thing we saw in the first week of the finals that the all, all four winners actually came back from quite a bit of a, a deficit to start off with. I think on Friday night, the Panthers were down 10 and then the Sharks were, were, up, were up by 8 against the Raiders. And then at Melbourne were down by 12 and came back and obviously 14 nil. The Knights were up against the Rabbitohs. So I think the way the game is played and the six-again rule, it allows for momentum to shift pretty quickly in games. Well, you can't get momentum back as quickly as what you used to be able to. You know, you, years gone by, you used to be able to kick it into touch and take the air out of it. Now teams can't do that because you can pack the scrum in the centre of the field and you could almost be defending your own line because of where they can start their sets. So the fatigue coming in and all those things that are combined that Peter Volandis has made changes to is resulting in more points. Absolutely. When you talk about momentum, which team do you think uh, gets the most advantage out of, I guess, these potential point changes? I think Melbourne. I think okay. Melbourne understand it a little bit better. That game the other night, they were on the hop very early against Parramatta, but they wrestled it back. There was one bit of play, Dylan Brown, and this is the momentum that you can have. They're up 12-0. Dylan Brown, they've kicked exclusively down the right-hand side to Josh Adokar. Then they make the change to kick early down to Vunavalu two, two times in a row. He picks up Pappenhausen. They go through, and, and from that one try that Pappenhausen scored, they're down 12-6, uh, that Vunavalu scores. All of a sudden, I knew that Melbourne were going to win comfortably because they that's how momentum can swing. I don't think it's been that quickly to be able to do that in recent years. You've had to try and work yourselves back into it, but Melbourne, for me, looked like that they could go another gear. Yeah, hard to disagree. I think Penrith as well. I think with the uns yeah, the X factor around their players with Jerome Luai, Stephen Crichton, they can create points out of nothing, really. I think the Panthers, for me, this game suits the way they play. And I feel as though the Roosters have fallen away a little bit because of these rules. And the fact that they, they won two premierships in a row built on defence now, and you won a premiership yeah. built on defence with the Dragons, the game doesn't allow you to, to, to dominate defensively as you were because they gave away a lot of penalties those years. You remember the way they defended their try line. The Roosters were happy to give away penalty after penalty because they reset their defence, they got, they got a little break, and they, they managed to repel teams. It's not happening. Talk about the Roosters. They conceded 60 the week before and 31 this week, it's very un-Roosters-like. Yeah, 29, 28. I, Jake Friend will have a lot to say about that this week. Him coming back into the side defensively makes him very strong. Penrith the other night were fantastic in, what, in, in winning that game, but there was some stuff there that, that would concern Ivan Cleary. Their slow start, maybe you could put that down to nervousness, but they have that slow retreat from Naden conceding that early try, they're down 10-0, and then they have a chance to ice the game and put it beyond doubt by extending that lead. They didn't even think about going for a field goal with 15 minutes to go. They were trying to go for that killer blow and almost got beaten off the back of it because if Cleary passes the ball to Flanagan and Flanagan slots it, extra time, Roosters had all the momentum. Like that, that for me is concerning for Penrith. So as good as they were, yes, they can go another gear, but they had some stuff that's still to work on. They haven't conceded 28 points all year. Mm. And they get into a major semi-final, they're up cruising the whole game after that tenth slow start, and then all of a sudden it's still a game with 30 seconds to go. Yeah, like everyone mentions, finals football is a different ball game. And you've mentioned Penrith and Storm. They both get to enjoy the week off, but here is how the two semi-final clashes line up. On Friday night, the Sydney Roosters and the Canberra Raiders, a grand final rematch. Someone pass me the popcorn. And then on Saturday night out at Bankwest Stadium, the Parramatta Eels and the South Sydney Rabbitohs cannot wait for either of those clashes. Gents, if I had to give you free tickets to either of those games, which ones would you be off to? Um, Bank West. It's a 
bloody great stadium. And hospitality. Over the grand final rematch? Yeah, the grand final rematch at the SCG. I love going to the SCG for the Anzac Day games and stuff like that, but Bank West down there, sitting there, you can get close to the action. I like the way Bank West is built. Yeah, oh, no one's under more pressure this final series than Parramatta. If they bundle out in straight sets the way they started the year and then finished. I think they do. They're gone. I think yeah. Roosters and South Sydney win this weekend. So it'll be Roosters, Melbourne, and South Sydney will play Penrith. And if I'm being totally honest, I don't think Penrith want to see South Sydney in the form they're in. Really? All right. You've had it pretty spot on all season, so watch this base. But if you are wanting to go to a game, tickets on sale for the general public do come on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. So, gents, that's for both of you because I'm not giving you free tickets, all right? <laughs> uh, but don't go to nrl.com forward slash tickets or, of course, Ticket Tech to get onto those ones. They are selling very, very quickly. All right, you pair are heading to the touch screen. Um, but before that, you're going to talk about a South attacking halves, um, Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker. But Wayne Bennett weighed in on how he thought his halves performed at the weekend. I didn't think him and Adam were quite as um, dynamic as they had been other weeks, so very good, the pair of them. But other guys kind of took it over a little bit today. Uh, you know, Damien did that. A couple of things that he did was really set us on a roll. And um, I thought, you know, our forwards were tremendous again. You know, Junior's picked up two tries, just working through the middle there. So they kind of spread around a little bit more today, which was pleasing. Yeah, interesting comments there by Wayne Bennett. Jamie, would you agree that they weren't as dynamic as they usually are? I love that from the Wiley <laughs> old coach. He's just trying to keep things under a lid there. Just realise that everyone else played good yesterday. Damien Cook was fantastic, but Cody Walker was pretty good. Well, see how he went. Latrell Mitchell went down. We all thought that's South Sydney's title hopes, dead and buried. But they've reinvigorated their attack, and Cody, Wal Cody Walker has been central to what they've done. Yeah, he has. And what's happened now is Adam Reynolds has played on the footy a lot more, and you're seeing Cody Walker, which... Technically, as a half, you try and split the field. You see some teams split the field in half. But right now, Cody Walker's in such red-hot form that Wayne's just allowing him to go and play footy and swing anywhere on the field. And what we saw yesterday was a beautiful set-piece play from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, the try ends up getting scored over here between Kurt Mann and also Bradman Best. But you can just watch the late movement from Cody Walker. He sets up behind the play. Adam Reynolds digs right into the line, which is crucial. Subtle little pass. Now, this is Corey Allen, which would be Latrell Mitchell down there, that block play that everyone runs. He's actually a decoy there. Walker goes through. Lovely set piece from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And, and that's what you're allowed to do if you're Cody Walker. This is how they're going to win this competition. If they can just play on the ball, anytime they get half a chance, turn it into six points. Beautiful set play. If we go back, back a month, Sowie, the game against Parramatta, they'll take on the Eels this week. And we started to see signs that Cody Walker was coming into his best. What did you see in that Eels game? Well, Cody Walker's season turned for me against St George Illawarra. When Reynolds went out, he had to step up and play well that night, and he certainly did. And last time they played Parramatta, Brad Arthur will be on high alert because they set up a play here that just seems like it's going to be a cross-block play that you see every day of the week at training, that you practice all year for. But what it turns into is a beautiful bit of eyes-up footy from Cody Walker and reaction to the situation, not just waiting at the back. So there's Sewer there. The play sort of looks half over. Reynolds goes to the line, just watches a little subtle movement from Reynolds and then the acceleration from Walker to go through that hole between Michael Jennings and Dylan Brown who is no slouch defending champion. So you think about everything good that Dylan Brown's done this year, defence has been at the cornerstone of that. Cody Walker, they'll be on high alert this week, the Parramatta Eels. Well there you have it Katie, probably one of the hottest, hottest halves combinations in the game behind Cleary and Luai. Uh, Parramatta will be on red alert this week. Absolutely. Cannot wait to see how that match plays out and why South and Parra go head-to-head -head at Bankwest Stadium the game before. A grand final rematch, the Sydney Roosters and the Canberra Raiders. Uh, Brett Morris did speak to media over the weekend to tell us how the back-to-back -back premiers will bounce back. 
Oh, obviously the loss is disappointing, you know. It would have been nice to win that game and have a week off, but, you know, you're playing finals, you've got to win every game, and that's what it is for us at the moment. So, um, you know, it's another challenge, and it's a challenge that we're ready to accept and, and get on with. Um, you know, you can't sort of, you know, mope around. You've, you've got an, another job, a new job, and you've got to get on with it. And yeah, Brett Morris there saying just got to get on with it. Now, hear me out. Is it going to be an upset if the Raiders do upset the, uh, the Roosters, considering the, it's been a rocky month? Is it going to be an upset if they upset the Roosters? I think mm. you answered your own question. <laughs> I, I think, to me, this is pretty even. I think both teams go into this game thinking they can win, and I wouldn't be surprised either way, Sally. I know the Roosters have come in on back-to-back on back -to -back losses, but this is a big game. They'll get themselves right. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Oh, I think the Roosters win. They're underdogs, the Raiders, and for obvious reasons. You go, you know, without Josh Hodgson, who's your best player, and last week, without being great, they still beat the Cronulla Sharks. But, you know, when you play in a big game, the grand final last year, all the hype is around Friday night, I think it would be a huge upset, to be honest. I mean, the, the Roosters showed last week that they're... Whilst the petrol gauge is, is nearly empty, they've still got enough in them to be able to, to win this competition. So do you just underestimate Raiders partly because Roosters have such a great history and they're so strong like yours? No, I just, I mean, for, for you know, 24 months we've questioned the Sydney Roosters whether they could go win a competition with Cooper Cronk, whether they could go back-to-back -back with Cooper Cronk, is he going to play, all this kind of stuff, and they keep coming up you know, with the goods. So as much as they were beaten last week, um, and the key for the Raiders, if they start the game, if on Friday night we're watching the game and the Raiders start off with Jack White and running the footy in the first two minutes and then George Williams has a run and they threaten the line, then I'm, I'm, I'm on, the, on the Raiders. I think they can win the game. But if they, if they try and finesse their way around this Roosters side and invite them into the contest, the Roosters could go through them. Yeah. This, this will be their finest performance, though. If, in terms of a premiership, if they somehow come out of this and win the title in 2020, I think this is the best of the three of them. Considering they lost Cooper Cronk, considering they lost Latrell Mitchell, they were 0-2 before the COVID break. They haven't had a break for 18 or 19 weeks now, and they've had injuries throughout the season. If they can come out of this and win a third premiership, yeah. it's the best of the three. Agree. Wow. Yeah, can't disagree there. All right, State of Origin News and Brad Fittler has named two more people to his extended 27 men squad. Zach Lomax to the gents' delight here. I'm sure you were stoked that he was now being added. And of course, Daniel Saifidi. But um, you had in your Sydney Morning Herald column today, Michael, that David Clemmer was among, I guess, two other faces that were left out. Why was Clemmer left out? Yeah, this was this is most surprising for me. I think David Clemmer's been in that squad now. He's been in that team for five years and he, he's been an integral part. He's played 14 of the last 15 games and he was pretty good in game one last year and, and in game three when they won the series. And Brad Fittler's decided not to pick him in his 27-man squad. I, I don't know how David Clemmer's not in the 27 best New South Wales players in that squad. I've been speaking to a few people today. Apparently there were some concerns around attitude in that Game 3 last year in regards to the fact that he wasn't picked in that team originally. Tarek Sims was, and then Tarek Sims was suspended, and then he came into the team... For, for Tarek Sims and apparently was a little bit out of sorts in terms of his application there. I think David was probably a little bit upset that he wasn't in the team originally. Uh, look, he wears his heart on his sleeve and I, I think he's been pretty hard done by, to be honest with you. Well, you have a look at the 27 players. It's, he doesn't have to be in the best 27 players. He has to be in the best probably four or five props that New South Wales have. When you look at it like that, Payne Haas has had a pretty big year. Probably Saifidi hasn't been as good as what he was last year making the New South Wales side, but they've got versatility. They can play Jake Trebojevic up front. Tyson Frizzell can spend some time in the middle in that squad. So I don't think Brad Fittler's going to pick 
eight props and, and pick, he might just have his five guys knowing that he's got that versatility and who's to say like there's been some pretty good performances this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think Junior Paulo deserves to be there ahead of David Clemmer. I think Payne Haster deserves Regan to be there. Campbell Gillard. I don't think Regan Campbell Gillard has done enough to get ahead of David Clemmer. But I'll tell you this: the one, the one knock on David Clemmer, and New South Wales have said this in the past, is his, is his, is the offloading and his lack of offloads. Now have a look at that stat. He's turned it around this year. 45 offloads for David Clemmer. I believe he's behind Junior Paulo in the as in terms of the most offloads for a front row in the game. So that's, uh, that's quite significant. He's yeah. almost the most run metres just behind Payne Haas there. Uh, and he's really good in defence as well. His tackle efficiency is in, is in the 90%. So I, I think he's been pretty hard done by this. I mean, I, look, But if the other four guys go in, um, he might only pick Haas, Saifidi and Paulo and leave RCG out knowing he can play Trebojevich up there. He's last in tackle breaks there. And whilst he's been good as a tandem, you know, Payne Haas did that by himself. Uh, Campbell Gillard and Paulo started the year on fire and they can play big minutes as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what Brad Fittler comes up with his makeup of the side, Katie. But the 27-man squad, I don't think you can have any more. He won't need any more than five props. He'd probably only play three of them anyway. I'll say one thing about Brad Fittler, though. We sat here last year questioning, well, I know I did, when he left Latrell Mitchell out of the team for Game 2. And uh, he, he came back and he showed us... You know, that he knows I what he's doing badly. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> so, look, he's got the runs on the board. And I, I'm just, I think most people are surprised that they've got the runs. But you can't pick everyone. Like, Wade Graham missed out as well. Like, if you're going to go with loyalty and all that kind of stuff and, you know, on performances, uh, this is a totally different year. I mean, for me, Damien Cook might only play game one. Game one. Apisai Coruscant might play games two and three. Like, this is a totally different year, and maybe it's going to take 27 players for New South Wales to win the series. And do we know that he absolutely won't be called into the 27-man squad? Because I know NRL.com, we're reporting um, Brad Walter and Dan Walsh have that it's, it's not over completely for Wade Graham and David Clemmer. Well, it's, it's not over completely, but you'd imagine that Freddie's got the team that he wants, the squad that he wants, and if there are injuries, like Tom Trebojevic okay. last week, then Zach Lomax was brought in. I, I think if all goes to plan, then David Clemmer won't be in there. But you never know. There's still three weeks of football to be played yeah. and he may be called back into that team. OK, we'll have to watch this space. Moving on to the NRLW and we saw that kick-off uh, season 3.0. There was plenty making headlines. But I guess for you, Jamie, in the first game, the Dragons and the Roosters, we saw a, a bit of... Maybe we just didn't see the Dragons mesh like we thought we would with those big names. But were Roosters just too good? Yeah, they were. And I thought the Dragons were really, really poor in terms of... You think about last year, they were in the grand final, they go over and win the nines and they felt like they had some confidence bouncing into NRLW season three, but they were torn apart by a really well-coached side. Jamie Feeney's done exceptionally well with a Roosters side that's got some really talented players in there. You talk about Catholic, but Corbin McGregor out in that right centre. They also had Henna Southwell through the middle, who was probably the best player on the field. Uh, they were outstanding and really, really impressive, the Roosters. And what about for you, Michael? Did you like to see uh, Charlotte Caslick? She's made plenty of headlines, done a lot of great, uh, great news headlines for our game. What did you make of her performance? Yeah, fantastic for the game. Obviously, before the competition started, the headlines that she brought to the game and, and showed that she's worth every cent that the Roosters paid for. I, look, I don't know what her future holds in rugby union and the way things work out, but if there's a way the NRL can get to the rugby girls, because Charlotte Caslick wasn't the only rugby girl who performed on the weekend, I think it's good for the game. And I think that we saw, from a Dragons point of view, some real concerns as well, because some injuries there, that their campaign mm -hmm. might be out. You cannot afford 
to go behind, especially with concerns over Jess Sergis no, and Kezi Apson? You can't. And I thought that Bremner should be 5'8", and Isabel Kelly, who's just come off a victorious Harvey Norman uh, Women's Premiership title with uh, the Central Coast Roosters, I think. I think she should play at fullback, get her involved. When you have two power centres like Sergis and Isabel Kelly, if they're not getting the ball and they're not involved, it's sort of hard to have those strike weapons. So if you move Isabel Kelly to fullback, let her play on the footy and let Bremner organise. And she played there for Helensburg, mm. Sammy Bremner, in their title win just recently as well. So she knows how to organise and it gets Isabel Kelly into the game. I think sometimes with Jess and Isabel is sometimes we can say, just sit out there. We need you in the game if you're the Dragons yeah. because you're our, some of our best players. Yeah, Daniel Lacey might be forced to make those changes. We'll have to watch NRL teams with Zach Bailey tomorrow at 3.55 to hear those. Um, but also, what about for the... Broncos and the Warriors because uh, the Warriors started strong. Broncos had a, a big interruption into their first game. 25 minutes they arrived before the game uh, had a 10-minute warm-up, Jamie. Yeah, well, the Broncos, slow start, but I thought the Warriors looked like a really well-coached side that had not spent enough time together. Mm. You talk about uh, all the people that have had to come in, but that girl on screen, Tamika Upton, is going to be the new Gillaroo's fullback. She was fantastic. The Broncos are a well-drilled side. They know how to get themselves into position. They execute well. Brigginshaw pretty much didn't have to do anything. She just went around there and was the conductor, so they will start title favourites uh, heading into the next couple of weeks. How much of a disruption is that, See how we Warming up for 10 minutes? Yeah, oh, we did it in 09. Actually, for Anzac mm -hmm. Day, we uh, got there a little bit late to the SFS, and I think we had like 15 minutes to get strapped and go straight to warm up, and we won 29 nil. So it wasn't a, a worry for us back yeah. then. But sometimes dealing with that adversity can also help you later on in the year too, because if you, everything has to go right for you to perform, then you can't deal with any adversity if anything goes wrong. So well done, the Broncos. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know if I'll get it right, but I think they their new motto is accept. Adapt, act, or accept, act, adapt. Anyway, moving with the, the COVID-19 times and good on them, it paid off. Um, but for the public, remember, you can vote for your NRLW team of the week at nrl.com. Uh, you can have your say. Of course, those games are a part of a triple header uh, this Saturday at Bankwest Stadium, starting with the Warriors and Roosters at 12.30, followed by the Dragons and the Broncos at 4pm. Steph Hancock playing against her old team, which will be a very good one to watch. Uh, now, sweet or sour for you, Jamie? Yeah, look, uh, sweet or sour. Unfortunately, this week, Katie, it's sour. I uh, saw something on Saturday night that I didn't like and it's caused a bit of controversy but one thing that I was really baffled by was the situation with Jack White and taking the quick tap against the Cronulla Sharks. Now, we haven't been able to take a quick tap in our game for when we had the two referees and if you can see Adam G there, he's coming forward to make the mark and get the decision and all of a sudden Jack White, who on the other reverse angle actually doesn't touch the footy, he just picks it up and runs while Wade Graham's coming in to talk to the referee. I just thought that was really poor. Our game's at a state right now, the final, where you need to have everything go right and to not touch the footy right there was a really big play. And turn the game into the Raiders' favour. I thought they were really hard done by uh, the, the Cronulla Sharks. Are you going to agree or disagree with Well, the, the quick taps have to... If it's within the 10-metre zone of the, of the attacking trial and they can't take a quick tap. OK. But, champion, <laughs> look at that and tell me that you're... I, I agree. Listen, I, I agree with what you. Happened okay, in that that's situation, what I asked you. The rules. I said, do you agree or no, disagree? I, what we, you said you agree. What we forget is last year, the six again, right? We don't want to see the six again thing happen. And everyone goes, oh, it's all right. It was the Sharks. They were supposed to lose. You get to a grand final. If that happened in a grand final... All right, we'd be it'd be last year all over again. We'd be talking about that one decision instead of the game and how good it has been that we've got rugby league back. Now we look at that situation there. That shouldn't have been a try. I don't think the players know when they can or can't take quick taps. They just take it and hope for the best. So, so if they if they don't and the referee thinks that he does right there, should that have been a quick tap? Well, if that's by the rules, is that is under the should rules? Should that have been a quick tap? If that's right the there. rules, it's outside in the ten metres zone. You can't do it, Sowie. 
So what, did Graham, what did Graham Annesley to say today? Did they get it wrong? Okay. They We're going to move on to some injury news. It's time now for the Casualty Ward brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. Now, despite Cameron Munster's reaction as he left the field on Saturday night, the Melbourne Storm are confident the 5-8 will be right to play with the week off, while Blake Ferguson, according to Parramatta, is a 50-50 chance in their do-or-die semi-final against the Rabbitohs. The winger re-aggravated an ongoing knee issue. Damian Cook looked worse for wear after hitting knees with Kalen Ponga, the hooker hobbling in the second half, but not long after scored an 80-metre try in the 75th minute. Media asked Wayne Bennett how his number nine pulled up and the super coach had this to say. Can't say there's too much wrong with his ankle, can you? Like a little rabbit running from body hole to hole, trying to, always trying to catch him. Is he OK, he looked pretty good when I just left him five minutes ago. He's still never made how good his drive was. All right, to other NRL injuries. And Mike Acevo's season is over with an MCL injury. You can also see their shark, Blake Braley, suffered a syndesmosis injury, but won't miss any games with their season over after they lost to the Raiders. While the Roosters are sweating on the availability of Jake Friend and Sonny Bill Williams for their clash on Friday night. To the NRLW and the Sydney Roosters are awaiting scan results on Botil Vete Welsh. The fullback came off with a hamstring injury. The club hopeful it's not too serious. Roosters teammate Caitlin Phillips will also be monitored this week after coming off with an HIA in their win over the Dragons. Kezi Apps also will have to pass HIA protocols, while three more of her Dragons teammates, Shakaya Tungiai, Jessica Surgis and Maddie Studden are in doubt for this week's match against the Broncos. That's this week's Casualty Ward brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. All right, time now for Hit or Miss. Mitchell Pearce will flourish with a settled spine in 2021. Let's listen to Adam O'Brien's grab before I get your reaction. I thought with the way we started the season, the first two rounds, uh, we looked really free and connected and we had, you know, those, those spots on the Jaden Braley was a huge loss to us. I think this bloke, that's what it hurt the most. He's got a different nine each week and then a different six and, you know, they had different skill sets. So I put more pressure on him to, you know, run the team. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I've got to identify over the summers, identify our best attack, how we can get our, you know, our strike players, the ball in good positions. And hopefully that's with the personnel. We've got some guys that come back, they're going to help with that immensely. Mm, OK, so hit or miss that Mitchell Pearce will flourish with a settled spine in 2021, Michael? Yeah, hit. I don't know what that spine is, though, Sally. I think if once it's settled, I think they missed Jaden Braley enormously once he was injured. But what what is their best one? Well, we know what their best one is, but what's their best, best six, seven, nine? Well, their success at the start of the year was off Kurt Mann running the footy. Uh, I thought that he was more of a utility and showed how valuable he is towards the back end when they had all those injuries. I don't know if it's about Mitchell Pearce flourishing as much as the, the standard that they need to set at the start of the year, they need to find a way how they get that towards the back end of the year because two years in a row, Mitchell Pearce, he can say that it's a spine, but last year was the same story. You know, they, they were great there for six weeks and then they fell away. So um, he's still got some footy left in him, Pearcey, I think. But, yeah, sometimes you have those seasons where it's just, doesn't, it's just not your year. And I've been the same stance all year on Newcastle. They still need a couple of pieces. They still need, you know, to get things right not necessarily just Mitchell Pearce, but some other players in there as well. It's not, it's not just Mitchell either. It's Kalen I mean, yeah. as well. The way, the way that both of them have fallen away the last couple of years towards the back half of the season is a real concern for Adam O'Brien because the Knights, 
We, well, some of us here thought there would be a top four chance before those injuries hit, but they, they, they need to address something's going wrong with that back half of the year. And what happens is, as the season goes on, if you start the season fast, this is why it's impressive what Penrith have been able to do. If you start the season fast and you build into your season, like Penrith's attack, we were talking about Penrith's attack struggling. They've actually built into it and hitting you know, top speed right now. Newcastle started fast and just plateaued really, really quickly. You've got to keep finding ways to keep refreshed, to keep uh, you know, the, the energy going in the room, dressing room, to get your attack going. All that kind of stuff needs to come together in a year to win a premiership. And they haven't got it right the last two years, Newcastle, to even compete with the top half of the competition. Mm, OK. Queensland are a genuine chance under Wayne Bennett, hit or miss. Jamie? Uh, hit... I am a bit more concerned about New South Wales now. I still think it'll be 3-0. Uh, but I still, I'm concerned now about what Wayne can do in a short preparation and how he can turn uh, players' confidence that may be down and backs against the wall into a performance and go 1-0 up and then all of a sudden the series on the line. OK. Michael? Uh, miss. Uh, yeah, it's not just because I'm a New South Wales but I just don't see Queensland being a threat at all this year. I, whether it's Kevy, it's Wayne. Like, I know Wayne will, will have an impact on that team and he'll... Oh, look, he'll, he'll get them up for it. I just don't see the, the, the skill in the team and the ability to match it with New South Wales if they get through this final series unscathed. And, and not just to mention that... Not just matching up player to player. I'm talking about the bulk of a Queensland team that wouldn't have played football for seven weeks. Did, do you have South Sydney in the top eight this year? Yes. You did. Did you have them going to week two of the finals? Probably that's where I think they would have, their run would have ended, yeah. So they're about to go to week three of the finals. Yeah, I don't know finals. about that. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> don't know about that. Uh, all right. Shane Flanagan could be back at Cronulla in 2022. This is a big one. Yeah, hit for me. I think that uh, as amazing... I think John Morris has done a, a pretty good job with the Cronulla Shark squad that he's had at the moment. But if I'm being totally honest, this year... They had the easiest draw coming out of COVID of anyone and didn't beat a team in the top eight. So Yeah, but is there an easy draw? Yeah. Uh, yes. Is there because... OK, when we're talking yeah, this, to NRL teams, they say no. This season well, this there's no team there's that's been, easy. So, there's been softer draws than what some of the okay. other teams have had to go through. And um, you think about John Morris, you know, got, got into his job very, very quickly. And I still think he was learning to be a head coach when he got that opportunity. So I think the Sharks, you know, will, uh, will try and get Shane Flanagan back in their system. Wow. OK, Michael? Yeah, it's a hit from me. I think John Morris is a bit unfortunate, though. Look, reality is John Morris wouldn't have been an NRL coach by now if, the, if Shane Flanagan wasn't suspended, right? He, he wasn't ready. He's done a very good job with what he's been able to do the last uh, 12 months. But with the injuries they had to the key players, Andrew Fafita, Matt Moylan's basically been non-existent, Josh Dugan's fallen away with his form, John Morris has got him for another year. Unfortunately for John Morris, I can't see him. I can see him doing... Seeing out next year and then Cronulla rebuilding with a new coach and that's going to be, from my understanding, more, most likely Shane Flanagan. But isn't that disappointing considering what Bomber's been able to do in such a short period of time? You it, say he's not ready, but when is someone ready? Yeah, it is, but the, the first 30 minutes in that heart, or well, 35 minutes in that game against Canberra the other night summed up the Cronulla Sharks this year. Like, gritty for a certain amount of time, but just not good enough. Like, this is a side that if you're going to be in the eight and compete, like, are you telling me that if Sharks played Titans last week that the Titans wouldn't have gone straight through them? Like, you, can't, you can't add Titans. I'm just saying, you, you, <laughs> just making the eight doesn't mean it's a successful season. You know, oh, it, it doesn't mean it's a successful season if you're not going to go and, and be up there competing for a championship. Bowing out in the first weekend 
for me, doesn't class as a successful season. You know, getting to the grand final is is where you want to be at. Maybe the prelim, but I don't think that it was a successful season for the. But there's eight teams below them that would yeah, have loved to have been in the top eight. They their, didn't make it. You look at their players, Katie. Uh, tell me how many players improved this year in that Cronulla team. Maybe but Sean how Johnson. How many debuts did he make? Yeah, for the I Newtown understand. Jets but the key players, the key players in that team, didn't improve, and they're still on contract. They would have to finish inside the top six next year. Ten of the seventeen have played less than uh, fifty NRL games. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to defend him, and I'm. Barking up the wrong tree. He's not saying he hasn't done a good job. We're just saying that if there's an opportunity there to get back a premiership winner with an opportunity to spend some salary cap, then I think that they'll go with Shane Flanagan. Yeah, I just find that interesting considering I don't think he's doing a poor job. But Sorry for answering the question you asked. No worries. Yeah, that, I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, NRLW must find a way to keep Charlotte Kaslick hit or miss. Hit. Okay. Whatever she wants, just get her involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Look, you can get clauses, you can get get out clauses and all that kind of stuff and allow her to go and play rugby sevens, which is obviously her chosen sport and what she's really good at. But what I saw on the weekend was uh, a girl that goes out there and plays pretty much just every single play. And you look at Luke Keary, you look at Cody Walker, some of the best players in our competition, that's how she was playing the other day. And she brought a real excitement to the game and I really enjoyed sitting down and watching both games on the weekend. And I'm not ashamed to say that three years ago, Katie, I don't think I would have sat and watched both games. I would have just flicked over in between. On the weekend, I was enthralled. I was texting you while these games were on about how good this girl is and how good the skill level is in NRLW this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the biggest thing's going, well, Michael, hit or miss, so? Uh, Yeah, look, the NRL hit for me, but I I don't know if they can compete with travelling the world, for, you know, for a young lady to travel the world with her friends, playing tournaments across the, across the globe. I, I, the NRLW over four weeks is going to be hard to compete. That's all. And, and you can't pay the rent travelling around the world. You can pay it if you get the right money here. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get I'm sure there's a bit of money. Maybe at the roosters. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it only happened because of COVID-19 exactly. and the, the Olympics was postponed until next year. But it would be great. I know that like she wasn't the only Rugby 7 star. Um, Ivania Politi and Elia Green both scored tries in their debuts as well and were sensational. So I think there's room and it's great to see cross-coders coming to the game. But definitely sparked a lot of talk. If there's a break in the calendar that allows them to play, then hopefully their experience in this year's NRLW We'll see them want to come back. If that's the case and they want to come back, then the NRL's done a good job. Isaac Luke's brought up a good point. Where's the New Zealand women's sevens players? If well, they were to get into the Warriors team next year... Next year oh, OK, next year. That'd yeah, be awesome. For yeah. Cross-coders in our game, mm. love it. Love Absolutely. the standard going up every year. I actually think that um, the Kiwis were trying to get a few of the New Zealand sevens girls, but COVID-19 again, it's just mm. too, t- such a long break. All right, time for your power rankings, Jamie. This week's NRL Power Rankings see the South Sydney Rabbitohs after a big win yesterday move up to fifth. They were outstanding attacking-wise, but it was a slow start, and that would concern Wayne Bennett. It would concern Wayne Bennett, and they probably could get away with it against an Eels team that's been struggling next week. But if they're going to make a a fair income crack at the title, they can't afford to do that against the Penrith Panthers the week after. So some things to improve there for Wayne Bennett. And they compounded their errors, and that's what they've been guilty of this year, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, is making an error, putting pressure on themselves. They've got the attacking game to get themselves out of the hole against the Newcastle Knights in week one of the finals. Whether they can do that against Parramatta is going to be very interesting to see. The Newcastle Knights, a fast start yesterday, but they finished 
eight this year, probably mirrored their season, their performance yesterday, where they got off to a cracking start to start the season, but then fell away with some real schoolboy errors. Yeah, real disappointing the Knights, the way they finished the season. A lot of hope and expectation in Newcastle this year with what they produced at the start of the year. They just, they got to a start and they got themselves in a good position, but too much ball turned over in that uh, in that back half of the first half and in the second half as well. They're going to need some luck with injuries, but they're going to have to do some hard work. They're going to have to, there's still a couple of pieces away, which I've, I haven't changed that stance all year. They're going to need to decide whether Kurtman is a 5'8 or a utility or try and get someone else in. And then if they can just get some luck with Jaden Braley and co, they may be a bit more of a threat next year, but it's still a lot of work for Adam O'Brien. The back-to-back -back champions, the Sydney Roosters, are still fourth in the power rankings. A great start out at the foot of the mountains, but they did fall away and there were some uncharacteristic mistakes made from the Sydney Roosters. I'm talking about the Nathan Cleary tries, the ball on the ground. Usually the Roosters have been priding themselves on being first to the contest, first to the ball. Started to slip away the other night. Yeah, it did. It did but I think there's enough there to give Trent Robinson hope that they'll go against this Canberra team confident they can get the job done. And I think the, the scars of last year is going to ignite Canberra, but I think the scars of the last two weeks are going to get, allow the Roosters to go to another level. We'll have to wait and see, but make sure you keep an eye out for the NRL Power Rankings next Monday. All right, it's now time for Champ or Chump. And Cameron Smith has got another one up on his coach, Craig Bellamy. He did catch his coach off guard with this speech. Take a listen. Two days with. Um, a few blokes haven't played in the finals before, so basically we have our heads on and um, get through the day properly and obviously celebrate a, uh, a coach's birthday! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You got him. I think we've seen a, a way more jovial side this year to Craig Bellamy. Like, he's been, yeah, wearing the headgear for Goose of the Week and doing all that kind of stuff. So that's, yeah, I mean, they won on the weekend, so you can do that. Yeah, champ. 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 But, but not just Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith. I think we're seeing a, a lighter side to Cameron Smith as well as his career draws to an end. Well, do I don't they, know who they end it together. Mean something. Yeah, I think they will end it together. They do end it together in the Sunset Premiership winners again. Or do they go to Brisbane together for one year? Ooh. All questions that we'll find out soon enough after We're the relying season. on you, Michael, <laughs> to break that news for us. All right, up next, uh, Storm featuring pretty heavily today, Suliasi Vunavalu with uh, his swan dive. Champ or chump on this one, gents? Oh, Suliasi, I love watching you play every week. I love your try-scoring ability, but <laughs> down 12-0, I can't love that. Um, I just want you to put the ball down. I'm happy you ran it around as a goal kicker, and I know that it meant a lot to your family back home, but, uh, yeah, I just want it to be all business until we put the foot down. So I'm going to say he's a champion. Champion. Oh, my gosh. You guys... No, you're doing a Michael I Chalice cannot call it, yeah. yeah. too scared to say that. I don't mind it. I, I'm... That's not that's not over the top carry on. It's he, he does that it's nearly not, every try. Yeah. It's not over the top. It's not. He's just very athletic, I'd say. I'm not going to champ or chump him. He's probably in the middle. I, I don't mind it. That is not why we play well, this game. Well, he's a champ then. He's not. I, I've got no issue that's with fine. that. That's fine. You can say champ. Yes. They're not. They're not 30 nil down and with a minute to go. 
So Yeah, but they're 12-0 down. They weren't playing great. I just want to get in front first before I see the swan dive coming. OK, well, this is a light-hearted segment. <laughs> Let's not get too serious. But that basically wraps up today. Until tomorrow at 3.55 when Zach Bailey, Brett Kamali and Robbie Farah return for NRL teams. It should be pretty interesting there. We may see uh, Jake Friend and Sonny Bill Williams line up for Roosters, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. And then, of course, on Wednesday at 5pm, Wednesday's our way, myself and Tasha Gale will host that one along with our Chief Women's Rugby League reporter, Alicia Newton, who will have some pretty big news like she always does. But that's it for us, gents. Uh, who are you tipping? Oh, my God, can we do quick tips? Roosters and Souths. Yeah, OK. Raiders and Eels. Of course. <laughs> I'm glad I asked because I want to play that one on Monday. <laughs> All right, until then, have a good one.